Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Have you ever walked into a room and forgotten why you were there? Have you ever been in mid-sentence and couldn't remember what you wanted to say? Well, we've probably all done that. And it's caused by a divided mind or what's known as multitasking. Now, initially, it was considered a good thing. The successful people could do several things at once and uh, without being confused. But is it a sign of success, really? Multitasking has been studied, and the effects of it can cause people to become shallow, not deep, fuzzy, not focused, distracted, not aligned, live with duplicity, not integrity. Well, the above things are clearly not good traits, for most people at least. Jesus himself did not appear to engage in multitasking as we read the Gospels. He was fully involved in whatever he was doing, not distracted by thoughts, worries, concerns, or his to-do list or other people. He was the consummate real person always present in the situation fully. He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, the above text I just read was from Matthew 6, 25 to 34, and what it does is it teaches us that multitasking should not guide our lives because it really does not allow us to be all in on any one thing. Multitasking can obviously create an increase in worry and doubt, something our Lord spoke out against. Our natural question, though, is how does one not worry? Well, at least part of the answer lies in not multitasking, but instead fully immersing yourself in whatever you're doing at that moment. And that's a difficult thing to accomplish, to be sure, especially today, because we are in the habit of multitasking to a large degree. That's what our lives are all about. And because multitasking is so prevalent in society today, people talk and text on their phones while they drive or they walk down the street or they're otherwise distracted and not fully focused on driving. Now, it's, of course, why accidents happen. And according to Geico, thousands of accidents and fatalities occur every year simply due to distracted drivers. It's almost like people forget they're driving. So if we're not fully engaged in what we're doing, we will end up doing things halfway at best. Or, as in the case of driving, create situations where we either end up harming ourselves, others, or both. And imagine imagine going out on a date for the first time with someone you really like, and you're constantly being distracted away from that person so that the other person you're with concludes that you're bored, you're disinterested, or at least if she or he wants to be positive about it, will say, well, you must be preoccupied with things that are, I guess, more important than me at this time. The message sent by you is that, well, you're not as important as what's going on in my brain right now. The same holds true with our relationship with God. If we aren't all in with God, we cannot grow. We cannot learn to appreciate him increasingly, and we cannot hope to live the life 
of an overcomer, otherwise known as living the victorious Christian life. A study from 2022 shows that less than 50% of Christians today, and I think the number is probably much lower than that, less than 50% read their Bibles at all for whatever reason. So getting to know God, though, starts with reading the book that he wrote for us because it reveals him and his desire to fellowship with people. Jesus read the scriptures, memorizing many of them, and his favorite book from the Hebrew scriptures seemed to be the book of Deuteronomy. Now, in his final address to the second generation of Israelites, as recorded in Deuteronomy, Moses made a specific point, and it was to remind people that, that they needed to be deliberate in remembering the Lord. He was to be the foremost in their minds. And too often, though, the Israelites simply forgot about God. And you know what, though, Christians, we have the same tendency because life can get in the way. And you shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not, Deuteronomy 8.2. That's Moses speaking there. I don't think necessarily Moses means that God needed to do that so that he would know. I think he did what he did so that the people would know what was in their hearts. So while Deuteronomy is a summary of Israel's history, it's also the reiteration of much of the law prior to Moses' death. The Israelites did not have access to a written book they could refer to about God's law whenever they wanted to do so. It was usually oral tradition passed along, but we do. We do have access to the whole Bible. And yet, as I mentioned, more than 50% of the Christians today do not read it, or less than 50%. So the book of Deuteronomy records life for Israel over a roughly one-month period leading up to Moses' death. This is his swan song, I guess. Some commentators believe Deuteronomy is part of what's called the Graf Wellhausen excuse me, theory, or also otherwise known as the JEPD. And I personally don't believe the theory holds any water at all, yet there are clearly those who swear by it and believe it to be true. And they're usually very liberal leftists. But in reality, each student of the Bible is responsible for what they believe and why they believe it. So that's left up to the reader to decide, the listeners to decide. But Jesus's testimony regarding Deuteronomy is, in my opinion, the strongest argument in favor of Moses's authorship of the entire Pentateuch, including Deuteronomy. And we have reference to that in Mark 12, 26. Jesus is speaking here and he goes, now, about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he goes along after that to say, God is the God of the living, not the dead. And of course, he was referring to and answering to 
the Sadducees, who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Well, in that quote, though, Jesus acknowledges that Moses was the author of the Pentateuch, which includes the book of Deuteronomy. It's interesting that the religious leaders, or I guess we could call them higher critics of Jesus's day, had no response to him and obviously agreed with him on one point, at least, that Moses was the author. So Jesus quoted Deuteronomy more than any other portion of Hebrew scriptures. God's word was obviously important enough for him to study and memorize it, and that should tell us of its importance. If it was important enough for Jesus, it should be important enough for us, without doubt. And without that knowledge of his word, we lack knowledge of God, and we will forget him unless we are deliberate about our relationship. And that's true of any relationship. Now, in fact, Deuteronomy provides examples of how the law can be broken and what the results of that would be for the people of Israel. It provides great insight into the whole reason God gave the law in the first place. Ultimately, it was God's love that gave the law because he intended Israel to be the nation that would be his light to the entire world. And by keeping his law, things would go well with them and they would receive many blessings from God by ignoring or forgetting or forgetting to remember God and his laws. Things would not go well with them. And many of them are outlined in the book of Deuteronomy. The problem, of course, is the heart attitude of the people of Israel time and time again. And this is clearly, folks, Honestly, let's be honest, it's the issue for today's believers as well. No one is saved by keeping the law. We know that. No one. In fact, no one can keep the law 100% of the time from their hearts. It's impossible. Outwardly, though, people can do all kinds of things that appear to keep the law, but what is their heart doing? You see, this is why the law can't save anyone. Though the law is perfect and good, Psalm 19, it has no ability to force people to observe it any more than a speed limit sign can force people to observe that and drive under the speed limit. The law comes into force when laws are broken. The law became a stumbling block and burden to Israel because no one could keep it from the heart at all points all the time. It was impossible. Jesus came, fulfilled the law in all points without sin, and then offered himself as a perfect sacrifice for us so that we would not have to observe the law to obtain salvation. Now, once we receive salvation as believers, we are in a far better position to follow God's law from the heart, doing what is right what God expects from us. That's what following God's law means, doing what he considers to be the right thing in all situations. Now, salvation is what provides the foundation or the inner desire to follow the law, or put simply, again, to do what is right and to, to do that which honors God. Now, ultimately, Deuteronomy, quote, is the document prepared by Moses as a witness to the dynastic covenant which the Lord gave to Israel in the plains of Moab. And the covenant um, in Deuteronomy is valid. It was endorsed by the Israelites and God first at Mount Sinai and then later on again 
and includes promises and rewards for keeping the law and curses for not. And the theology of Deuteronomy is completely tied into the covenant found within its pages. The two cannot be separated, theology and covenant. So in essence, then, to fully understand the book of Deuteronomy, one must endeavor to fully understand the covenant that's contained therein. In fact, Dr. Thomas Constable goes on to point out the following, quote, the theological values of Deuteronomy can hardly be exaggerated. It stands as the wellspring of biblical historical revelation. It is a prime source for both Old Testament and New Testament theology, whether the covenant the holiness of God or the concept of people of God is the unifying factor of OT theology. Each finds emphasis and remarkable definition in Deuteronomy, unquote. That alone may be the chief reason Jesus and others quoted it over 80 times, by the way, as often as they did across the pages of the New Testament. And here's another quote from Constable, which says the following, Deuteronomy is not just a recapitulation of things previously revealed in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. It is a selective digest of matters most important to the average Israelites in his or her relationship with God. One of the striking features of this book is the frequent references to love that recur throughout it. God's love for the, for, for the patriarchs and later the whole nation of Israel is obvious in the previous four books, though Moses never articulated it directly. In Deuteronomy, for the first time, Moses revealed that it was God's love for Israel that motivated him to deal with the Israelites as he had. One of the greatest revelations of this book is the motivation of God. God's love for people moved him to bless. Unquote. Now, this does not simply extend to Israelites, by the way. It started there, but God used Israel to ultimately extend his love to the entire world through Christ. And we see how God expressed his love and how he expects us to express our love, not only to him, but to other people. And ultimately, Deuteronomy is a book about love. It shows how God loves the world, and it shows how God wants us to love him back. And remember that we would have no capacity to love God at all unless he first loved us. 1 John 4.19. The question is, though, how do we love God? How do we show our love for God? Well, the answer is the same for Christians today as it was in the last month of Moses's life for Israel. Hear what I'm saying. Loving God is done by keeping his commands from the heart. In other words, doing what God says is the right thing to do in all situations. Love is the true motivation for Christians to obey God, 1 Corinthians 13. Now, when Jesus fulfilled the law, and died for our sin, it meant that the end of an era had come and a new one had begun. No longer would people have to keep the law in order to be, quote-unquote, righteous before, the, before God. 
after Jesus' death and resurrection, faith in his finished work provides salvation like the law could never do. And God then sees us as righteous because of the salvation we have received. That salvation also begins to stir our hearts, or should, to want to be obedient to him in all things. That is the true measure of our love for God. You know, we can put on an outward attitude and demeanor that makes other people think we love God through our words and our actions, but if it's not real from within, folks won't see that. However, God sees it and judges it accordingly. Not that we can lose salvation, but we can and will lose fellowship with God until the problem is rectified. The message of the book of Deuteronomy then is that God's love for man is the motivation of his government, and man's love for God should be the motivation for our obedience. Now, this is a short introduction to an extremely important book. Are you a Christian? Do you love the Lord your God? And if so, are you being obedient to his law of liberty? Again, are you willing to do the right thing in all situations? Which is not burdensome, by the way, right? Because keeping it at all points is no longer required to receive salvation, but it is actually freeing. 1 John 5, 3. I'm going to end this uh, introductory article, audio on Deuteronomy with this. You know, it is sad that we must be reminded and remind ourselves to not forget to remember God. He must be at the forefront of our minds. He must become the most important part of our lives. And unless he is that, we will all be continually forgetting to remember him. Thanks so much for joining me today. And I pray that until we meet again, God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 